wish I could come up with the optimal equation for it. Uh, sorry, that's not possible. But there are some general parameters. So there's two things that, that you're really talking about. Um, uh, banks are also um, hoarding cash. And the way that they're doing that is that cash just sits um, in what's known as excess reserves. So that means reserves over and above what they're mandated by law to keep um, with, uh, with the Federal Reserve. Okay, so those excess reserves actually are earning the banks some money. It's risk-free money because what they give us for our savings deposit or checking account is, is basically zero. They get 25 basis points on the reserves, so they make the spread risk-free. There's a lot of other stuff that they're doing, like investing in U.S. Treasuries. That's also pretty risk-free, right? So they uh, can borrow at a rate that's effectively subsidized by the government, right? That's really important. These banks are subsidized on multiple levels. The most basic level is the deposit insurance. And a more, um, you know, in-your-face sort of thing is the policy of bailout. So you don't expect banks to fail. Okay, so, so they are effectively um, kind of quasi-government organizations. So it means that they can borrow at a very cheap interest rate. Indeed, they're borrowing almost free uh, from the Federal Reserve during the crisis. So what do you do? You borrow, and then you've got a choice as to what to do with that capital. Um, one thing that you could do would be to make loans to customers that have reasonable projects that they're presenting, corporate uh, customers. Um, the other thing that you could do is to buy U.S. Treasury bonds and make the spread. So borrow cheap, make the yield on the Treasury bonds. And effectively, that's what they're doing. They're investing in the it's, it's like it's, it's like an arbitrage relationship. That's how they can make money. And they don't need to worry about um, corporate loans or, or consumer loans in, in terms of, like, obviously they're in that business, um, but they don't need to worry about growing it because they can make lots of money in the current situation with a positively sloped yield curve and subsidized uh, borrowing. So, so that's the issue with excess reserves. Uh, as to what the optimal level of reserves, as you know, on Sunday, 27 nations agreed to uh, the Basel III um, uh, outline. Uh, it, you know, I, I read the press release on Sunday, um, and it, it, it was, to me, uh, like a, a joke to read the media coverage. If you grab Monday's Financial Times, they had a story on the Accords, and they got the math wrong. They got the reserve requirement totally wrong. Associated Press had it wrong. Later they corrected the story, so the online Financial Times uh, made the correction. But you know, you'd think the Financial Times would be in tune with what's happening, something so important. Um, it was just very, very confusing as to what, what uh, was actually happening. The, the basic story is that the reserve requirements went up, which is a good thing because Basel II was a disaster. It was basically 2% tier um, tier one, went to 4.5%. There's going to be a buffer of an additional 2.5% that's going to be gradually put on. So you put that together, 4.5, 2.5, you get 7. And then there is talk uh, of another uh, buffer 
that's unspecified that'll go on. Um, and, and the idea is actually a good idea. And this is the idea of a counter-cyclical buffer. This is something that I favored. Uh, I favored the counter-cyclical buffer. Um, and the idea is that in good times, the reserve requirements go up. Okay, so that, that's really important. So the one thing you know if you're in good times, the one thing you can forecast with 100% accuracy is there's going to be a recession. So let's just keep on bumping those reserve requirements up, and then when the recession happens, um, you're ready for it. Uh, so that, that's definitely a good idea. Uh, there's, a, there's talk also, and again, it's not specified, about different treatment for banks that are um, systemic, post-systemic risks. And again, this is a good idea. My idea earlier on was um, that you have a uh, reserve requirement that, um, that is different for small banks than big banks. So the bigger you are, the more systemic you actually um, are in terms of the risk to the system, the higher your reserve rate should be. And effectively in doing that, it's really easy to do actually, uh, to implement. Um, when you do that, uh, banks will choose not to be that big or they might even split in two. That'll be the optimal thing. So you reduce some of the uh, systemic risk. So I think that, that um, those are some good ideas. However, a lot of the good ideas is very vague. And the implementation of what we know, so some of the stuff we don't even know, right? The stuff that we know, the implementation will be complete in um, 2023. That's a long time. We could have like two financial crises. So a long time. And again, you know, the US supposedly was pushing for this. Germany dragging their feet, that's the, the spin. Uh, it's really hard to tell. The other thing that uh, I should mention, and, um, and this is important, that it's not just the changing of the reserve ratios. You have to have actually look at what is considered equity. Okay? And the old rules, um, all sorts of garbage was considered um, you know, something you could count in the numerator. Stuff like deferred taxes interests in minority corporations, which could be, you know, sp special purpose vehicles set up by the bank. That was, that was included as equity. Um, one good thing about the U.S. stress test that we did um, was that they didn't do any of those shenanigans. So it was clean, it was tangible equity, and that's it. So, so um, it's not just the, the ratio, it's kind of what you're counting in the ratio. So those are, I, I think, some good news. Um, you know, banks will, as you know, find ways around this stuff. Um, they are in the business of making money, and it's hard to, to deal with this with regulation. Um, we hope that it won't lead to a situation where um, it reduces the amount of capital that's available for firms that have good projects. Um, that, that is a real risk, of, and we need banks to make loans, not stupid loans, but good loans. We need them to do that, and we need them to do it now. So you're kind of walking near the razor's edge on this. A little, if it's too stringent, then it's potentially going to cost you.